Hello, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 18 of Alice in Wonderland. I'm Vic Philipson in a spectacularly beautiful Christian Sand, Norway. And I'm Alice in the Atlas Mountains of Morocco. <laughs> and is it spectacularly beautiful there? It is a little, actually a little bit of a heat haze. We've had very strong winds. We had a snowfall two weeks ago, the day I did the last podcast. Um, but it's been hot since then, so a bit, a bit changeable, really. And I heard that was very bad for the cherries. Is that correct? <laughs> it was. Oh, no. But before we get into cherries, ah, okay. Vic, I have news. Good. I am now a best-selling author. Congratulations. Woohoo! <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm doing a dance around my sitting room. So what happened was I was just sitting in my little house in Morocco yesterday, feeling a bit grim because of this blooming lockdown, mm -hmm. 10 weeks without leaving the house more or less. Um, and I got, a, I saw a tweet from my publisher going, Alice Morrison has joined Leveson Wood, David Attenborough and Bill Bryson on the bestsellers list. Congratulations. And a picture, I know, a picture of my little book, Adventures in Morocco, mm -hmm. plug, um, in there. And I was like, I actually tweeted him privately. As, I mean, obviously, first of all, I retweeted it. And then I messaged him privately going, Ian, are you like, are you, are you fibbing? Am I really on the bestsellers list? And it was like, yes, I'm on the Amazon Travel bestsellers list. That's fantastic. I know. And you can hear probably hear from my voice, dear listener. <laughs> I'm completely ecstatic. And I, I shouldn't say this, but I am absolutely amazed. So um, I just want to say to everybody who's bought the book, massive thank you. I really appreciate it because... You know, for obvious reasons, it's more to do with also representing women on that list mm -hmm. because there are very few of us. Mm -hmm. And a big thank you to everyone who supports me all the time, including lovely Craig Hoppers and lovely NTT Data, because that is the kind of thing that helps. And if you haven't bought the book, come on, guys, it is a <laughs> bestseller. Get with the crowd, get with the program. So, Adventures in Morocco, available on Amazon, on Hive. On all sorts of bookshops, including Waterstones online and in ebook. And it's very cheap <laughs> and it's very good. There, I've plugged. I'm, the, I'm ecstatic, Vic. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, you should be. That's fantastic. Well, it kind of, it, I must admit, I think when it's, you know, when the cherries fall and there's no harvest, I guess a very good consolation is getting on the bestsellers list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. So, but the, you, uh, bestsellers listed, this is worldwide in Amazon? I'm assuming it's just Britain because I don't know how they do it, but, you know, because they always funnel you and I don't know if you've got this in Amazon, but I, they always direct me, for example, to America, uh -huh. even though that's no good for me because my account's in Britain, so I don't know. I see. But that, I feel that I've boasted enough, although I am still dancing around the sitting room, and I thought I could talk to you a little bit about... Um, the last two weeks of Ramadan, which of course, or the last 10 days of Ramadan, which is now over, mm -hmm. and also about Eid. Yes, tell about how it was down there. Okay, so first of all, the end of Ramadan. So it's very interesting. We hit 10 days before the end, and I woke up with a terrible headache. I felt like death. I couldn't, I mean, my mouth was so dry. It was like the, it's like the Sahara. 
And that night when I went, because as you know, I live in this big extended family. When I was having supper with the women, I was like, ladies, I am feeling like rubbish. And they were like, yes, all of us. They said, it hits you 10 days before the end. It suddenly catches up with you. We all feel absolutely terrible. And it happens today. So that gave me some kind of weird comfort because, you know, misery loves company. And it was it's interesting to know that that is kind of a thing. Oh, that everyone feels that way. Yeah, that, that like two and a half weeks in, you've kind of used up all your goodwill, as it were, with your body, and you suddenly feel terrible. And there's an old um, saying in that they use for Ramadan here, which is they, you start off Ramadan like a baby, fresh and new and plump. As you go through, you grow up and you end Ramadan like a very, very, very old man hobbling towards the finish line, which I rather liked. Oh gosh! Well, as yeah, long as it's a shared misery, that's the, that's good. it is. And the, you know, I I have gone on about how difficult it was because get don't don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the mental strain of fasting and being in Corona, and the worry mm-hmm. of Corona and the fasting was just horrific. But there were some really high points, and one of them was rather lovely. So, um, I every night I have supper really or not every night but say three nights out of four with Fatima and the family um and it's the girls the men eat upstairs and I found out that the women cook for the men in rotation so all the men eat upstairs in the salon and there's three households if you like three wives Mm -hmm. and they take one day each so you know Fatima's Monday Hafida's Tuesday Rashida's Wednesday and then they they spool it on and start again so that the work is lessened um, because there's a lot of cooking for supper, obviously. And, you know, you're fasting. It's, you don't have much energy. So imagine cooking for, I mean, even for the women, there's, one, two, there's eight of us right. at that table every night. And then the men, you've got, I don't know how many up there, 15 or so, 10? I'm not quite sure, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work. Um, so I'm eating with the women. And I, I like to take pictures. So I've taken lots of pictures for myself of where we normally eat, which is at the back of the kitchen, cooking everything on clay pots. And as family, you know, it's like, it's just like being in your own family for your own family meal. Mm-hmm. So I want to take pictures to use for articles. And I said to them, uh, to the women, can I take pictures for articles, not just for me privately? Um, and they said, well, you can't take any pictures of the married woman because we'd have to wear our niqab, which is like the full face veil. Uh-huh. But the girls who are aged between 17 and 23, as long as they're They've got proper headscarves on covering all the hair. You can take pictures of them. So that was fine because you have to find out, you know, what's acceptable here. Sure. Um, anyway, so I said, well, look, tomorrow, can I take some pictures? And of course, tomorrow dawned. And instead of being in our usual family atmosphere, we had a special massive dinner with all the young women. So there's one, two, three, four. There's five young girls between the ages of 17 and 23. <laughs> a delightful, wonderful young women. Um, and they'd set up this beautiful table and been cooking, they told me, since one o'clock to do a special party for breaking the fast. So we had like little pastries stuffed with meat mm. and we had pizza with um, tuna and sweet corn on the top, which is the big treat here. Mm. And I mean, we had all the usual, you know, dates and soup. Mm-hmm. And we had f- delicious fresh juice made from avocado and peach and apple and milk so really they'd put on such a massive feast oh and a a chicken which is very unusual because normally we don't eat that much meat but a chicken stuffed with rice prepared with like the liver and kidneys from the chicken Mm -hmm. very very delicious 
and we all got together and of course I am the same age as the girls mothers but they kind of treat me as a kind of I don't know what eccentric auntie I think a kind of a a somewhere a halfway house um which suits me and at the end of the meal because it's all the girls together two things happened one of which made me scream with laughter the first thing was lovely um here on the on the we mostly sit on kind of um benches with cushions and there's bolsters at the end you know heavy round Mm -hmm. rounded bolsters and the girls just started playing the bolsters like drums and singing amazir songs (laughs) just out of the sheer joy of having eaten and drunk and you know being (laughs) 17 and 18 so that was absolutely lovely i loved it i took some gorgeous videos but then of course they were asking me about my life and things and i told them this story about Sorry, strap yourselves in. It was it was when I was nineteen. I lived in Turkey with a Turkish family okay. just for a month mm-hmm. because I was learning Turkish, and they didn't have any running water. The water only came on between two and five in the morning, and the mother would have to get up to fill basins. So every week we'd go to the hammam for a bath. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went, it's a beautiful hammam in Istanbul, one of the ancient ones glorious with stars cut in the ceiling so that the light comes down in a star shape, mm. all marble. Um, and I went in and the attendant was this massive, massive Turkish woman wearing only a big pair of black knickers <laughs> and like a rubber hat on her head. And she had a stone because they scrape you with a stone. And she put me on the central dais. I was 19 in front of everybody else. Of course, I'm like the everybody's staring at me. And then she straddled me. Yes. I was on my back. So she straddled my front. Yes and started scrubbing my skin with this stone. <laughs> now, fragile Scottish pink skin is just not made. I was in, I, honestly, I was in agony. And what's more, she had these enormous pendulous breasts which were like whacking me in the face. So I was telling this story to the girls and they were rolling around screaming with laughter. At which point, Dad, Hajj Brahim, who's my landlord, who's the same age as me, came in and told us to be quiet. quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh. So, you know, Ramadan, difficult as it is, I think whenever you get a bunch of lovely humans together, which I know we're all missing, mm. and I know I've had the privilege of having that actually during lockdown, I've come to realise what a privilege that is. Mm-hmm. You can still have a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. And now the but time hasn't rolled back yet because we're still two hours ahead of you here. But that's on Sunday, right? Next Sunday, yeah. The last after, so because because Eid, so Eid, which is the big the holiday after Ramadan, okay. fell on whatever day it was. And again, it's a day full of kind of this. You know, this, it's like every religion has its traditions, and every festive season has a tradition so what happens for Edith woke up at seven o'clock everyone else went off to pray I'm not a Muslim so I wasn't praying although I was saying thank you God thank you God thank you God for Ramadan being over and I immediately had a cup of coffee thank you God again Uh, in the morning which was the thing I've been really craving you know just waking up and having a glass of water and a cup of coffee and then um, the woman called me and we went in and it was all the women together. So normally the women in the, the different wives eat on their own with their families. But this time, all the wives, all the families, again, men, men were outside on the terrace mm-hmm. and women were inside in one of the sitting rooms. And we had the feast for breakfast. So it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And we're all, we- we're all wearing our nice clothes. So everybody dresses up. So everybody looked really pretty. I mean, 
Moroccan, you know, it's silly to stereotype in a way, but Moroccan women and girls are really rather lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody was in their jalabas, their long dresses, different colours, pinks and greens with loads of embroidery and, you know, different coloured buttons. Um, everyone was wearing pretty headscarves with little fringes. So really, it was like being in a big bunch of beautiful flowers. Um, and we all sat there. And, and honestly, Vic, I wish I could just... I can't show you pictures because the women, you know, they, they don't want to be pictured. Yeah, but the the relief, the absolute visible relief <laughs> on everyone's face, because, you know, Ramadan is um, apparently very stressful. Well, I think it's not just that it's stressful. It is. It's not that it's stressful. It's difficult. Right. But I think with the underlying difficulty of Corona, mm. You know, people having to watch what they buy because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, families not being allowed to visit. And the single biggest problem has been that people can't go to the mosque. Mm-hmm. So normally in Ramadan, everybody, and I, I initially thought the women didn't go so much, but in Ramadan, everybody, men and women, separate rooms, but men and women go to the mosque together. Uh, not together, but they all go to the mosque to yeah. pray in a communal setting. And I think not having that when you're a very religious country and... Yeah. Especially in this very difficult time, mm-hmm. you know, it really wore on people. The girls, you know, imagine a 19-year-old girl in Norway saying that the thing she misses most is not being able to go to the mosque. That I can't imagine, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting here in this, and everyone was so full of happiness and joy. I mean, a lot of the women were yawning because they've been working blooming hard the whole time right. and fasting. Right. But, but they were just it was such a light atmosphere it really was it was just so it was i don't know i felt like i was floating because everybody was full of happiness and as i say that relief that feeling of weight on your shoulders which really it's not really just about ramadan it is also about the fact of corona kind of running in this this dark river Mm -hmm. which is always there under our thoughts even if we're not thinking of it directly so we all sat there and of course the food would you like a description of the food? Yes, I would love to hear about the food. Okay, so anyone out there who doesn't do carbs or doesn't do fat or dairy or sugar um, or gluten, clo- look away now. Close your ears. <laughs> so basically, it is all those things. Just it is. So you have these pace. These um, the first thing is like um, open. What I would call a drop scone, like an open pancake, uh-huh. a small pancake. Uh, called a barrier, and on that you put melted butter, homemade butter from the cow oh, downstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there was the simmon, which is a bit like, I don't know, I think it's a bit like a parata. I don't know if you ever had an Indian parata, but it's basically a piece of flaky pastry stroke bread in a square shape fried <laughs> mm-hmm. or cooked with lots of oil. Not mm-hmm. necessarily fried, but cooked with lots of oil. Mm-hmm. And you dip that into the wild honey from the hives up the hill um or the homemade jam or again melted butter you can basically put melted butter on everything (laughs) everything then there's the homemade cookies which are like you get little what i call jammy dodgers like rounds with um jam in the middle um coconuts coconuts bombs like little rounded ones with coconut in them (laughs) and short thing that's just very very like scottish shortbread a little bit more crumbly Uh Um, so what was that bread? Oh yeah, and the last thing which I haven't had before, which is called harbor. 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 
which of course is going to be the only Tashla heat word I ever remember. <laughs> and that is basically a, it looks like rice pudding, but it's actually made from soft wheat, but it looks exactly like rice pudding. Yes. Soft wheat made with cream from the cow. Thank you, cow. She's been so busy uh, from the cow. And then there's a little lake in the middle and into the lake. Can you guess what's been poured? No. Uh-uh. Butter. Melt. Yay! <laughs> melted butter. Yeah. And you eat it with a spoon. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, in that meal, you could, we ate probably about, I don't know, 6,000 calories, 3, calories yeah. each. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. And, um, but it just shows you, you know, that's the celebration. And then everybody went their separate ways. I did sport with the kids in the afternoon, but um, it was a really lovely celebration. And it was a, a lovely way to actually bring Eid to an end. Mm-hmm. And Ramadan to a close. And, you know, that feel-good effect has definitely been spilling on. Good. Good. People are not feeling... Well, I guess you're still locked down. You still have the same basic um, constraints, right? You're not allowed to go out yet? No, no. We're completely locked down. There's been absolutely no lessening here, uh, except for we hadn't used last night. So our lockdown, as I've said before, consists of you can only... One person per household can leave the house for essential shopping... And, you know, really, it should be every two to three days. Um, And you have to have a piece of paper from the government. Of course, farmers, essential workers, farmers can go to their work, for example. There are roadblocks. You can't travel in between um, cities. Mm -hmm. And bear in mind that we have not had a single case up here. The nearest case to us is one hour's drive away. Mm -hmm. It's obligatory to wear masks when you're out and about. So I see the lovely shepherds with their goat herds of goats in the river valley where there's nobody else around and they're still wearing their masks. So we don't have any of the... I mean, of course, some people will break it, but they're few and far between. I think most people are really sticking to things. And that was extended during Ramadan on the 20th of May. It was extended for... Uh, until the 10th of June. Okay. But yeah, so you know, no sport, none of that, no visiting, no no none of this you can go and sit in someone's garden and self isolate. Mm-hmm. But then as I say we're in we're in most people in Morocco, not everyone of course, and in, I'm talking really about where I am now because in the cities it will be different people will be isolated. But there are very few people who live completely alone in Morocco. I think I can say that absolutely for certain Mm -hmm. um and i'm isolating with all these people so social isolation hasn't been a problem um but we heard yesterday that as of today and i don't know if this will really only happen in the cities but cafes can open for takeaway and delivery oh well that'll be great (laughs) you probably don't have a cafe there in your little town do you well we do have cafes but we we have like so we have very simple things. We have a place that sells things like um, the traditional bean soup for breakfast. Uh-huh. And we have quite a few that sell tagine and couscous mm-hmm. um, for local people as well as tourists. And then, of course, there are quite a few tourist ones which just won't open because there's no point. But I am going to take a stroll up, maybe not today, but maybe a day after tomorrow and see if anyone's open to sell a tagine, for example, mm-hmm. because... If they are, then I will buy and bring home and then I'll take them back to the tagine pot the next day because A, it'll save me cooking and B, <laughs> you know, we all need to put some money back. Into the, yeah, the local so, restaurants. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I, I'll ask my landlord today and then I'll see what the situation is. And if I can support people in any way and, of course, get a delicious meal, which, <laughs> you know, so, so that's very exciting. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the first step. I mean, 
by the time I talk to you again, I'm really hoping we we can at least go out to, you know, have a bit more freedom of movement because uh, it's enough now. You know, it's I think I'm going into my 11th week of not doing or doing barely any walking and it's it's really a lot yeah that's it's a hard long, not to get out yeah, of the house that, that would drive me crazy we're able to do all that here you know they've pretty much opened the country back up but we never closed down uh as much as some places um you know it's odd it's it's funny i think there's a lot of social cohesion there in morocco there certainly is here and people <coughs> follow the yeah. follow the rules and and are good about it and it's worked here I mean, we haven't had a case. I think in Ogdare, they've said it now for almost three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Um, it is great. Yeah. So kids kids are back partially in school. It's kind of a weird hybrid. Half of them go to school part of one day and then half go the next day. And, and uh, so that's how they're at least letting the kids come back into the schools. But most of it's still online. But, and has uh, there been any spike in the figures or not at all? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. And, oh, uh, God willing, then it'll be fine. And because we have these two ships here and because Beata is their primary, my wife is their primary medical advisor, she writes an update uh, daily for, and I think now it's going to all the Viking and Norwegian ships around the world. Uh -huh. She is, wow. yeah, if you're in Norway, they're consulting her about about what the local regulations are, what the outlook is, what the rate is, what's going on. So I, you know, we keep a, a pretty close watch on what's happening, mostly just to kind of help out the ships. And they're trying to make some decisions here. So, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been, uh, but it is true. I mean, you can truly see where the societies are, are at each other or fighting each other and what what's going on, you know. Well, I mean, without being too political, no, and no, I don't no. want to be political, we've had, I mean, you know, in Britain, I think we were all a bit shocked by a senior government minister, Dominic Cummings, taking his wife out for a day trip to Barnard Castle when he was telling everyone to stay at home and then claiming he did it to test, to his, test eyesight. his eyesight. <laughs> and I yeah. saw a great I mean, really, tweet from a guy that said, yeah, I once was, I once was uh, blind on my way to Barnard mm. Castle, but that was due to all the gin I drank on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, you know, I, I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and think everyone's trying to do their best, but I do think sometimes you, you have to be aware of, you know, everyone is trying really hard and people have sacrificed a lot. Yeah. So I felt that that was, I think, in common with most people. It's it's not really about the act, but yeah. it's it's about the fact that he's in such a responsible position. And, you know, you can't have one rule for one and one rule for another. No, it's no. not, that's, you know, we, as I say, when I look out my window, I, I see the shepherds in an area where there have never, there has never been a case right. and wearing their masks. masks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what? Just do it, man. Just 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 play by the rules. Mm -hmm. I don't like rules. I know everyone loves independence. I hate rules. But you know what? Sometimes just 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 suck it up. <laughs> now, as a best-selling yeah. author, are you chomping at the bit to do a book tour or do... Oh my god. No, you I don't want love, to do that. I would, just I would love to do a book tour. That would be so lovely. I just love to do anything that gets me out of the house and into a different environment. <laughs> but I am also gathering material. Because we've had some breakthroughs in local culture. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going to tell you three three new things okay. that have happened to me okay. and that I've learned this week. So the first thing, and this is the joy of actually 
having come back to Morocco, you know, because I was away when it all started, Mm -hmm. but having been doing my lockdown here, yes, I haven't had the freedom, but I'm still learning and I'm still getting closer to the community and I'm still, I feel like I'm still adventuring a a slightly different kind. Um, And I would like to adventure with my legs a bit more, but I am adventuring. So here are my adventures this week. Number one, I have finally mastered eating couscous with my hands. All right. Yeah. I'm sure that is a much more complicated uh, task than it would seem to be, but... (laughs) Right. It is, because if you imagine, couscous is like a small grain. Yeah, I know. It's, um, yeah. yeah. you've all, I'm sure most people have eaten it. Yeah. So here you eat it. It's got all the vegetables, a tiny bit of meat, and a hot gravy on top. And it's served in a big tagine pot. So you all eat it together, all, all around the same pot. Yeah. Um, and it's boiling hot, ah. number one. People here, the hands are made of Teflon. So what you have to do is you have to squeeze it to the side of the tagine, mm-hmm. squeeze it against the side with some gravy and a tiny bit of vegetable, Wait till it cools. Then you put it into the palm of your hands and you squish it into a ball. Okay. And then you flick the ball into your mouth. And now I can do it without missing my mouth, not being able to make a ball, it all coming out in a kind of a long sausage shape, (laughs) making it too big, making it too small, burning my hands. And eventually, usually people just look at me so sadly and then give me a spoon, which is what they do for the children. So now (laughs) I have mastered it. I know, it's so embarrassing. Now I've mastered it. And at the end of the meal, your hands are totally covered in couscous. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you just, and this is polite, you just lick them and suck your fingers. Okay. You literally lick your hand like a cat. Okay. That is so. That's it, Vic. Okay, I'm, number one. I, that is a that is a reason for great pride. I'm sure. No, I am delighted. I know you almost are almost as good as being almost as good as being. Let me just say it one more time: best-selling author, yes, I know. Adventures in Morocco. <laughs> Buy your copy now on Amazon. Keep me up there with Levinson Wood and all the boys. Um, and the second thing that I learned this week is there is no, according to my ladies, yes. my women, there is no. Arabic, uh, no tashlahit word or phrase for what is different. What, you know, what's different? So I was asking what's different this year from last year in Eid, in Ramadan. And they were going, or what's different about this piece of pastry? I can't remember. I asked what's different in Arabic because I didn't know the words. And, and I said, what's that in tashlahit when the, the, that doesn't exist in tashlahit? How can there not be a comparison a sense of comparison well, that this I, is I have to investigate I have to investigate more. Wow. But I was I know, but I was firmly told by the woman and I really asked a lot of different times. And I asked in Arabic, which they do understand and for which there is a word. Mm-hmm. But if anyone out there is a Tashlihit speaker and I'm talking nonsense, please you know, if there are any, please get back to me. So I'm gonna investigate further, but that was the second thing I learned. Linguistic mystery. And then the third thing takes us right back to our cherries. And it's not a thing I learned, but it's rather lovely. So in the extended family, there were three brothers and one son of a brother and then all their wives and children. And the oldest brother is rather stern. He's very stern. My landlord is the second brother and he's, he's lovely. 
Um, not, you know, also a little bit not stern really at all. He's very religious, but he's not stern. But the oldest brother is a little bit stern. And, you know, I always say good morning and how are you? And I'm very, very respectful. But I do, I think he looks a bit askance at me sometimes as I'm, you know, <laughs> running around with the children or, you know, not obviously not. I do often wear a jalaba here, often. And I'm always reasonably modestly dressed. But say I'm doing sport with the kids, I'll have a T-shirt on or maybe leggings. So, you know, I don't look like the other one. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I've always felt he disapproved of me a bit and I felt a bit shy with him. Mm-hmm. And then just before, in fact, I think just around the time of Eid, I was out playing with the children and he sent down his grandson, Imran, who's a, a special favourite of mine, um, with a bowl of fresh cherries for me. Oh, that's... Because they were sorting it. I know. That's super sweet. Yes. Uh, it was really quite a a moment for me, you know, that feeling of being accepted. accepted. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was very, very nice and very kind. Would you say he's um, kind of the, 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 pa- delicious. the patriarch of the of the clan or is, as the older brother? Well, or is that would be his unofficial station or very interesting question, Vic, a good question, because actually at Eid we were talking about the men. And I was earwigging as much as I can with my limited language. Um, and what they were saying was that, no, the patron of the clan is actually the father who's still alive ah. and he's in his mid-90s. Uh, he, he's got terrible cataracts, so he can't see very well, but he still walks up and down. He Usually in non-corona times, he walks down to the mosque every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I live on a pretty steep mountains that's not bad going um he's very tall and he's very slender and still quite upright very handsome he's got a beautiful kind of noble face with high cheekbones the big nose and he's very sweet whenever he sees me when i say who i am because you have to go up close because he can't see Mm -hmm. and then he'll he'll go oh and he'll give he'll kiss me on the forehead so it's very nice he's lovely to me but apparently he's very very strict with his family especially Uh the women Ah, because they were saying at Eid, they were saying, no, he's very, very strict with us. Um, and I think it's interesting because my landlord, Hash Brahim, had said to me that the reason that the men and the women eat separately is because of the father. Oh, it's not. That's his custom. It's not societal. It's not across the board then. Not everyone splits up that way. No. Oh, it's his custom. No, it's his custom. I mean, it's traditional. Sure. And people still do. I mean, especially if there's strange men. If there's strange men in the house, absolutely 100%. Mm. And I know that because I'll get treated as an honorary man and that I'll be often fed with the men. If, say, I'm with one of my friends who's a guide and he's got other friends around, mm-hmm. I'll eat with the men and the women will eat in the kitchen. But in, in the family, no, usually, I, not usually. I think it differs from household to household. But no, I was surprised when the men and the women ate separately on famille. Hmm. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. yeah, the father's the patriarch, yeah. you, and he is still very traditional. It's interesting, you get to be kind of a social chameleon in a way. I am. I mean, <coughs> I in, am not just in, not, in your, not in your extended family, but when you're in other things, you get to see, that must be really interesting to see both sides of it. To be, I think it's a massive privilege, Vic. You've, you've brought up something, actually, that is cool, because I do want to mention it. Um, you know... Being a woman in these African and Middle Eastern societies, being a Western woman with my privilege and with my education so that I can you know, speak some of the languages and my experience of living here for a long time, it's an enormously 
I'll say privileged, but I don't mean privileged in a negative way. I'm really, really lucky. Mm -hmm. I'm really, 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 really lucky because I get to see both sides. Um, And actually age plays into this as well. Because I'm of an age where I'm no longer like a sexy young thing, it's very easy for me to mix with the men and they treat me with respect as an older woman. Mm -hmm. And that actually, you know, so some people it's like, oh yeah, but you're still attractive. It's like, well, that not really, not not to the men here. I can't have children anymore. I, I'm as old, you know, I'm I'm the age where most women have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So here I've entered a different stage of my life. And it's really, really, really nice. That's what nobody tells you about getting older. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Honestly. The pressure of like being looked at yeah. in a sexual way has been taken off. And, you know, most people are like, oh, God, I'm invisible. I'm not invisible at all. I'm just looked at in a different way. And I love it. Yeah. So I really can be friends in a different way with men and women. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that is, it is. And it's the thing that a lot of men, obviously, the men just can't do it because they're just seen as a threat every time. They're not allowed into women's society. Right. They're just not allowed. Right. Full stop. So I am I am like the luckiest girl, woman, woman, <laughs> old bag on the planet. <laughs> I don't know about the old bag part. <laughs> Thank you, Vic. I'm not going to buy into that one. Sorry. <laughs> Correct. I'm not going to honor that one. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Luckiest best-selling author. How about that? Oh, my God. We got it in again. <laughs> Adventures in Morocco, available now on Amazon, in paperback and ebook, at a very small price, and on all other good bookstores. Well, you know, part of that, it might rub both ways, though, on their part. They have to be curious about Western culture in some way or another i would guess you're a very non-threatening and good ambassador for the western side of uh, the world you know thank you I, i do try i do try because of course just like we have our stereotypes of muslims of arabs of moroccans Mm -hmm. um (laughs) believe you me they have their stereotypes of us one one, I won't eat, there's lots of them and, you know, they're not really helpful, but I'm going to give you one because it shocked me. And this was my lovely cameraman who came with me for part of the Dra and the Sahara expeditions, um, Abdullah, who speaks perfect English. His wife's an English translator and teacher. I mean, his English is as good as mine. He's like a young man. He's in his early 30s. He's very forward looking. He was like, you know, Alice, I'm really surprised about one thing about you. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm strap yourself in. What's it going to be? Yeah. And he went, you really love your family. Mm. Yeah. And I went, yeah, I do really love my family. Of course I do. Because, of course, from the desert, I'm phoning my mom as often as I can and my brother. And I talk about them a lot and, you know, show them, you know, I love my family. Of course I love my family. He went, he went, you know, we, I thought that people in the West didn't really love their families like we love our families. Oh. That hadn't, huh. I hadn't thought about that. of course. He said, you know, you do things like you put your parents into homes. Yeah, I guess there's that. Instead of taking care of them in your own home, you mean? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, he said, and, you know, people live on their, like, people, women have children, and then they don't have a father, and they live on their own. Yes, they do. Yeah. So it's very interesting. So I'm not going to, obviously, no need for you. And he wasn't being horrible at all. No, no, no. lovely... You know, he was just surprised. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Well, so, yes, I do try and spread the word I think, that we are humans and we are lovely yeah, on the whole. Uh, more or less. 
That's been my experience. Well, Alice, we have neared, actually gone beyond the magic half an hour (gasps) figure. So we should probably wrap it up for this week. A day late. I'm sorry. We'll get it out later on. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well. Shall we we reveal the fact, Vic, that although we managed to do our broadcast every second week when I'm going trekking through the Sahara, Sahara. it's really difficult. Yeah, we both Both forgot. forgot. (laughs) Until last night. I forgot. It's awful. We will remember and be back on Thursday track. Thir- next time. 13 days from now. Exactly. Lucky 13. All right, Alice. Well, congratulations on the book. That's fantastic news. Um, Thank you. And uh, so. Thank you. So, uh, oh, can I ask, actually, listen, if anyone's listening, if you've read the book, please, please, please write a review because that makes a massive difference as well, apparently. Yeah, it does. I'm so excited by this whole thing of, of now that I just want to keep on that list. Okay. So. It's going to be a plug plug situation. All right. All right, Alice. Okay. Well, we will speak in 13 days. Take care to them. Okay. Bye-bye.